Right, hello everyone. Welcome back to episode seven of Natural with Now. Oh my god, episode seven. Um, seven weeks is still going strong. Usual disclaimer for swearing, adult themes, all of that. So if you don't like that stuff, you know the drill. Probably best not to listen on. Uh, anyway, let's welcome our guest for today. This is someone else who I've known for well over a decade now. A very good friend of mine, Ellis. Ellis, how you doing, man? Hello, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm really well, dude. Like I just said, I'm really excited for this one. It's gonna be, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be funny. Um, how's your day been, man? Um, day's been okay. I don't know. Like recently, it's just been feeling very kind of stagnant and linear, and not really kind of feeling like not really kind of going anywhere. Now, I don't, I don't have a job at the moment, so I'm kind of like that's my kind of mm-hmm. goal at the moment. It's just like applying for jobs, really. Kind of, <laughs> absolutely soul draining especially in a time like this but i mean i guess the one thing you can look forward to is that we've got a date set maybe for oh when it's my all... god oh my god i know like like it's the first <laughs> sounds like a bit morbid but it's the first time i felt like hope of something it's the first time like, i felt alive <laughs> but it's like but it's like it's like tentative because all of these like dates and stuff what have they turned out to be previous oh more, more lockdowns yeah exactly. but you know the, the weather's gonna get better yep. um so i'm i'm hopeful that like and I, th- I think everyone now, I think what we didn't, where we didn't know what we were going to do um, after, like we didn't know how to handle it after kind of lockdown one and lockdown two. And I think people now are like, okay, do you know what? I'm actually sick of these fucking lockdowns. So I just want to get it done and do it properly. And I'm actually going to like, I think for the people who weren't necessarily paying it like much attention before to stick into the post lockdown rules i think people are going to be much more in tune with it now because it's like i'm not going into lockdown four that's not it's that's not, not on my list of things to do today like no yeah just just uh, applying for jobs and i i realized like obviously like tailoring a different cover letter for like every every kind of uh prospective employer and it feels like you know when you come out of an exam and you <laughs> use so much brain power and you just like it's it's like a specific type of tiredness. That's what I feel from like do, doing all of this. But I know yeah. that it's gonna be like it's 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 gonna pay off soon. Oh, for sure, definitely. I mean, um, h- how many people are you are you planning on uh, sending emails to? Like a lot, or just a few certain ones you got in mind, or just any, you just trying to get your foot in the door like any way you possibly can. Well, like obviously my um my career now is in kind of the music industry, so I'd yeah. I'd want to still continue being in there. I was saying to Artie last week that I applied for. I think 16 or 17 positions that that had come up and it was one of those ones where like they they'd been like kind of open tabs on my laptop for ages like you know what I I just need to fucking knuckle down add the finishing touches to my to my CV write a separate cover letter for each of these and just get it done and I did across across two days nice now it's just kind of like fingers crossed I think I'm 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 in a similar position. I think you're well ahead of me though, because I, I'm at a position where I've got my website sorted, I've got my CV sorted. I just yeah. don't want to start sending my CV out yet because I'm too scared of being rejected again for the third time oh my God. in my life. <laughs> oh no, on, honest, honestly, I I completely feel you. Like that is like I'm I'm such a perfectionist that like mm. you you learn by making mistakes, mm-hmm. but. I don't want to be told like, sorry, like you, you didn't get this job because like this was actually this cover list was actually really shit. Like I was like, <laughs> just, like so so defeated about that, but I know that like it's part of the process and like it is gonna take a while. Mm-hmm, for sure, I've talked a lot on the show about like how mistakes and lessons turn into stepping stones in life, but completely necessarily mean that it's fucking easy you know like it's not easy taking rejection especially when it's happened a lot in your life you're 25 years old you still haven't found your your like career-based job of your dreams yet like 
especially during COVID. But it, it, it's a hard it's a hard one to work around. But I guess that's what I wanted to make this podcast for. I wanted us to you know, let everyone know that we're all in this together. Everyone's going through very similar things, if not the exact same thing, and we can all just fucking you know rejoice in that and kind of celebrate that for a little bit so i I mean you you are so right like for all of the bad things that covid has brought i.e deaths semi-incompetence from handling of the situation and um you know me in a personal manner me losing my job it's allowed me to spend more time with my parents i've been able to get out of my student overdraft and i've been able to have like one of the best summers that I've ever had last year with like everyone on the island, just going down to the beach every, every evening, making a fire, having drinks and doing stuff that we used to do back in sixth form. Yeah. But at this age, yeah. And like, I, I remember we're, we're sat on the beach one night and I was just like, guys, like if it wasn't for coronavirus, like we would not be doing this right now. And I'm so thankful for like those little moments that, that we had last summer. No, for sure. Anya and Artie have both said very similar things when we had a chat. They were saying, like, obviously, the whole COVID thing is absolutely disgusting and it's awful that what's happening. But you kind of have to pick out these little gems, these little moments that you're actually getting from having so much free time to yourself. 100%. And, yeah, whilst also, you know, everyone's sick of it now. Even I'm getting sick of it. I loved just sitting on my ass all day and getting paid for it because I was furloughed. But now I'm like this podcast is the only thing i'm looking forward to like every day every week oh my god one day a week so oh my god I'm, I'm i'm not even joking like lockdown one was such a vibe like it was it was kind of <laughs> it was it was kind of cool like thinking yeah. back now but now it's just like for, for me i'm just sat here like okay when is the next episode of drag race uk coming out because, like, <laughs> just, like, is it thursday yet because that's all i'm wanting right now <laughs> <laughs> it's it's soul draining but uh, hey at least like we said at least we've got at least a date to look forward to hopefully if they don't fuck yeah up. cool anyway let's get right into it so as you probably know i've got nine points uh, talk points here i usually choose seven of them at random the final two dreams and fears we'll get to at the end of the podcast okay um now oh, I'm, I'm excited i'm really excited <laughs> good man good let, you know, let's let's carry on with the topic of work. Um, so in work, I've got three talk points. That is, um, do you love your job? Uh, or did you love your job? Or do you love your job that you're hopefully going to get, your career choice? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you where you want to be currently, COVID, you know, involved or not? And uh, is there anything that you change about your career choice? So let's start with, do you love your job? Slash, did you love your job? Slash, are you going to love your job when you finally get it post-COVID? Well, Jesus, I think my, my previous my previous job, I absolutely loved for several reasons. Like I was working for MTV, which is such an amazing brand to be able to work for. Like sure. the fact that, you know, 2007 to 2010, when we used to hang out, we used to watch music channels all the time. Like that would be sure. that would be the thing. We'd sit there on, on our DSs playing Pokemon, watching bloody MTV hits. Like <laughs> yeah, that was sure. that was that was that was our weekends. It was and to be able to then say like I've worked for that brand, that is incredible. Mm. But I think I think beyond that, it wasn't necessarily about my actual job itself. It was more like the peripheral and satellite things that came mm. with the job in the sense that the actual job I, I was I was in the music programming department so I was able to kind of create my own shows and put out uh, basically responsible for putting the music videos on on the tv so I was able to create my own shows and 
my manager was like, oh, we've got a three hour block free next Friday. Could you just quickly like make a show? And I was like, right, okay. Ultimate 50 number ones of the 2010s <laughs> from the girls. Like, and, like, about that <laughs> in, like in like 10 minutes. And then just like nice. down, put that in. Like that was so fun. But that was like my, like, my actual tasks. The best thing about it was the fact that I could come into work and be like, guys, have you heard the new, like, Lord song? Or have you heard the new, like, Katy Perry track? She, she's back. And, and everyone would be like, oh, my God, yes, I love it. And like, I would sit down to, I, had, I have my colleague um, Marco next to me. I sit down and we basically watch all the same TV shows and all and listen to all the same music. So we turn to people like, have you heard the new Kylie song? And I was like, yes, of course I have. And, like, it's it's that kind of discussion and that kind of extra thing that came with being in that industry which is exactly the reason why I wanted to go into that industry in, in the first place for sure and I think I think that leads to your point where you're saying about like the final point what was it, it was like uh, why is anything you you'd uh, change about your career choice well that the, the, this is the thing that for me it's the opposite in that I changed what I was doing at uni to fit this career choice. Cause I was like, do you know, do you know what? I actually want to follow something that I'm really passionate about. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think that my passion for pop music could turn into a career until like, until the kind of penny dropped in my head that I found mm -hmm. this, this degree. And I was like, Oh my God, this can actually be a career path. Yeah. I was like, th th what I'm doing now, I'm so grateful that why, well, <laughs> what I'm doing now, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm so I'm so grateful now that I have that experience on my CV and I have all of those years of doing something that I personally really felt passionate about and wanted to go into. Mm, for sure, man. It's nice to hear that you're in a space of like-minded people because uh, the first thing that brings up into my head is obviously us growing up together. I know whenever there was a new song out, whenever there was uh, this bop on the radio, you would be the first person on my messenger. You would be the first person to tell me about this new song because you knew that I would reciprocate. I don't I don't know enough about your life to know if you did that with anybody else, but I know in our circle of friends, uh, there wasn't many people, Zach, Fraser, you know, people that they didn't care. And But like I did, I did kind of care when you did this kind of thing. And it's, it's funny, it's really weird thinking back at it. You've actually like molded a lot of my music taste because of your sheer enthusiasm and like you had this passion for music and like I think that rubbed off on me if I didn't have you in my life if you didn't drive me around everywhere and like blast these bops in your car I always listen to like you know like constantly play Ariana Grande I'd probably fucking hate her but because of you I have this like inbuilt love for Ariana Grande now even if there's a song I don't really like really I'm always like oh you know I'm kind of bopping my head to it I'm like yeah this is this is actually a fucking bop that's because of you man that's because you were always playing it in my head you're always like you just showed the sheer enthusiasm for, for music and that really rubbed off on me so personally i'm really glad that you you found that space of like-minded people that you could share that enthusiasm with it's actually really nice to hear man oh my god that literally makes me so so happy to hear because the the i know that i get like overtly passionate about music like you know <laughs> especially from like from like certain artists or, or certain producers or like i'll pause a song and then just talk at someone like oh my god did you hear how they use this like synthesizer but it was like syncopated <laughs> and like th this like sound effect that it, it created like yeah I, I was always worried that i would obviously talk about it not subconsciously but i would talk about it because like that's my personality i, I yeah. love i love music and i love i love expressing my, my love for music but i was yeah. always worried that i mean of course i'm like the biggest warrior ever there was always like that element of worrying that i was like oh my god is this too much for, for people like 
<laughs> are, they, are they just sat there thinking, Ellis, shut the fuck up. Shut the up. fuck up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know. Love, we get that you love pop music. Like, we don't need to hear this shit. So it, it actually makes me so happy that, uh, like, my literally me just being me has like affected you in like a positive manner but also that's because like because i would tell you about that because i knew that you'd be interested and i knew i knew that you would want to listen to it and especially yeah. like it like it would be the songs that because i listen to so much music i would i'd be like say for example like i've got 10 songs in, in, in front of me if i knew that two of those songs you would like i'd only send those two songs and be yeah, like sure. no you're gonna love this yeah. but i remember it's so it's so funny you talk about like back in like the school days because it was i remember like it was me and taylor and we were both like we both had we had the songs on our phones then be like oh can you send it to me like on, on msn and stuff I'm like <laughs> yeah sure just like sending the file over <laughs> <laughs> oh man back in the day literally i think music is a big part of my life it really is and uh, i think you have a big part to play in that i don't think i would have ever been as uh, immersed in music and like i i i pick out things in songs that yes. i know without you telling me that they were there back in the day i wouldn't pick up today at this age i would just you, appreciate it for what it was but like you stole the words out of my mouth because i know we have like we our music tastes crossover a lot but i know that there are certain things where like you can tell me you'll tell me what you like about a song and as i as i hear you say it or see you typing it on, on messenger i'll be like oh my god like i know that you can you can appreciate that bit of the music because that's what I've been shouting like just into the void I've been shouting it into the void for the past however many years but you've been (laughs) there as I've shouted it into the void and like picked it up yeah for sure no I agree man it's like I'll hear like every little you know a little beat that wouldn't normally be picked up by anyone just on a typical radio station but like you just you just notice it like I don't know like yes just or like a little harmony that you wouldn't normally hit, pick up because all the other things in the foreground are too like loud. Uh, you know, man. I, I'm, I'm gonna stop there, but that was it, it's it's a big part of my life. It really is. Um, no, so no, it's, it's it's true, and I think I think I think for both of us as well. Like we're very we're very emotional people, and I think that we for well, for me especially, I get really emotional with music, whether it be a, an actual emotional song or a really good bit of a song that makes me feel like and like some 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 type of way like. Whatever emotion that is, I'll give you a great example. You know how we both love year-end mashups when they like take like sixty songs and make it into like a seven-minute song. There was one from like twenty fourteen where it was like I think it was like Megan Trainer all about that bass, and yeah. then halfway through Chris Brown's yes. new flame yes. comes in. Yes. <laughs> I were gonna say that. Yeah, that's the same one. And I don't, I, I don't know what it is, but for some reason we both just love that little transition. Oh, I remember we, we played that it on your is video. A perfect and like we we had to like go back to that timestamp like yes. seven times because we just kept listening to it like this is so fucking good. <laughs> I think I think that is a prime prime example of like what we're trying to you know explain. You know what I mean? Sure, man. Um, right, back on topic. Let's talk about. So, are you where you want to be? So, in, obviously um, not right now, but considering i think uh, you know i had i had like an existential crisis about this like two months ago i was just like i turned i turned 25 which is like i feel like 24 is still young you still feel like the, the number and age 24 still feels like a young person in inverted commas but as soon as you hit 25 it's like well, okay i'm starting to get a bit older now you i'm know, halfway I, to 50 <laughs> and like i really kind of felt like i'm nowhere near where i thought i would be like at this age but then then I had to remember I had to like tell myself like okay 
you started uni a year later because you changed the course that you were doing. You did an extra year of uni, so you did four years rather than the three. And you've been going into an industry that is very cutthroat and is very reliant on a plethora of experience. And you've been, you've been building that up. So I, I had to talk myself out of that headspace. I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Like, you're doing fine. Like, it's you're, you're working your way up that ladder and you shouldn't really feel like that you aren't at that place where you want to be. And I feel like, I hate to be like a cliche trope person, but like everything does happen for a reason. And like, I, you know, 25 is still very young. It's still very, very young. And I feel like in the next five years, especially now we're living in a post-corona time, which is a weird, like, concept to think Isn't about. It? I feel like yeah. now it's going to be, like, full systems go, like, foot on accelerator, striving to get up that ladder to where I want to be. And I, I don't necessarily want to set myself a ceiling because then I feel like if I don't hit that, if I don't hit that expectation, I'll still feel shit about it. And I'll be like, well, okay, I haven't said where I'm going to be in, in five years' time that means I failed. No, you haven't, because you have to look about where you come from when you were 25, like if yeah. you're, say, 28 now, and see that progression. I think that's a more realistic scale of where you're going, rather than setting an expectation for when you're X age. Yeah, for sure. I completely agree, man. It must be a 25 thing, because obviously, as you know, it's been my birthday very recently, and like I had the exact same existential yeah. crisis. It was like, I was just like, oh, why aren't you excited? It's your birthday. And I was just like, I didn't find well, this sounds really morbid but i didn't find much to be excited about because i was like god i'm old like you know i'm i can't just well, for one i have so much responsibility on my shoulders not only am, um do i need to find like a career job and get money mm -hmm. but i need mm -hmm. to get a career job and get money for a wedding that's meant yeah. to be happening next year and it's like yeah. we've got tuppence to our name it's we're in the middle of a fucking crisis where like it's not that easy to find a job anyway and it wouldn't be that easy anyway if we weren't yeah. in a crisis yeah and like, all these things were in my head and i i had to do the exact same thing you did i had to just fucking sit down and like just go through the process in my head of like it's not as bad as you think it is you're yeah. still young you've still got the best creatives in in um the the design industry some of them haven't even started until they're in their late 40s and it's like what, you know I've, what exactly i've still got so much time ahead of me like it, it, it does there's no t like you say there is no time stamp on this like you're just you're mm. giving yourself these time stamps which is i guess a good thing in some ways but in some other ways it's like you're you're, you're limiting yourself it's like you're stressing yourself out trying to hit these deadlines when you're only giving yourself these deadlines if you ease up a little bit and just you know kind of go through the process a bit in your head a bit more calmly then maybe you can just get things done at a, a smoother pace and just realize it's not all so fucking bleak and bad like you're going to get there mate just one step at a time literally and i had to i fully fully empathize with that and mm. I, I i had to like like mentally slap myself and be like no look come on you've spent a year well nearly a year at home with your mm. parents like which has been such an, a nice time mm. You've been able to save some money. You had, you had a great birthday. Like you were in Sophia's backyard, and everyone <laughs> bought you like drinks and and, and like presents. Like mm. that was that was literally one of the nicest birthdays I've ever had. <laughs> I was just sat in a back garden with the sun out with my friends. Like I couldn't have asked for anything more. Oh yeah. And I was like, yes, this whole situation is bad. But you also then have to think about it. It's like no, don't take that. Like, that's the macro effect. And you can hold ambivalent feelings. You can say on a macro level, this is bad. But also in your personal self, you can also say, actually, it's fine that, like, I'm in this position that I'm in. Like, it's, I, I have to be very grateful for 
Yeah. Like it's it's not the worst thing to ever definitely. happen ever to me personally. You know what I mean? No, definitely. I completely agree, man. It's good to see that. Uh, again, another reason I did this podcast. Just it, it's good to see that there are like-minded people. I know me and you are best friends, so kind of doesn't count. But right. at the same time, like <laughs> you know, who's to say that we 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 would feel completely different? You know, so like we do feel exactly the same. So it, it it's nice. It's nice. It's nice to know that everyone's going through it together, and it, it's just a process that everyone's having to kind of get used to. So that's nice. Completely, completely. Mm. So I think you answered the final one. Anything you change um, about your career choice? But um, given the circumstances, if say COVID really did fuck up your chances of getting, yes, hypothetically speaking, of getting into the industry, what would your plan B be? Oh God! You ever thought about that? I have, kind of, mm. kind of. Like it would gen, it would generally be my plan B would be go and do something that you've got lots of experience in as a placeholder until you can find the route back into the Mm -hmm. industry Mm -hmm. like i've i've got a plethora of work experience in the hospitality environment like i was i was a head waiter i'm a trained mixologist so i can do cocktails and stuff so i could easily work for like a bar somewhere in london Mm. whilst i kind of figure out how to get back into the the music industry and you make a really good point because the music industry now, like I think, I think I read something the other day that like sixty percent of the total music industry revenue comes from the live industry in terms of mm. concerts and festivals, and that's obviously all been put on hold because of Corona, which is why like MTV had to let me go because of like budget cuts across the whole Viacom company, yeah, and why a lot of companies aren't doing as much hiring as they would do because they simply can't afford to can't, because a, exactly. lot, a lot of their ancillary income relies on performers and live events happening in a live setting and that's not the case at the moment yeah like, it's not happening um so i haven't really thought about a plan b because i was so confident switching my career path in the first place that yeah of course this is this this is what this is what i want to do and i was i was worried that because I had such a big passion for music that me going into the music industry and working with it would stifle that passion and like mm. make me loathe it because I was surrounded by it I was surrounded by it every day and it was put into a job setting and if you don't like your job you don't you end up not liking the thing that your job is attached to I was really worried that that would be the case of music they're like oh my god I fucking hate this job so now I literally Ariana could make a new release and I'm like fuck you you bitch because <laughs> you've made me you've made me hate music like no like <laughs> I was so worried that that would happen and it yeah, has just hasn't of course I am also very grateful for that <laughs> No, for sure. The only reason I bring up that point in particular about Plan B is only because I, in a similar manner, was so, when I left uni, I was very confident that I would apply for jobs. Like, my plan was this. I'd graduate, I'd apply for, you know, countless amount of jobs, someone would give me a chance, and then that would kickstart my career. I got to the graduating bit, and I applied for countless jobs. Everybody said no everybody because i just for one i didn't enjoy the course i was doing uh, secondly i i don't know what i didn't know what i was expecting i guess i was applying for jobs that i knew i didn't want to go into thinking they would just take me anyway but that's just not the reality of it i have to have i have to have had a good portfolio of work to back up my the emails i was sending so obviously i had to then take a step back and then i took a year out and i had to think like what the fuck am i going to do i did my masters and like then covid hit and it's like all these things keep pushing me pushing me pushing me back and my mum had to 
kind of say like have you thought of a plan b i know you really want to do this but like yeah. is is there actually anything that you've got yourself to fall back on if things don't end up going well because you've been trying to do this for like come up to three years now and you're still not in the career choice you want to go into and it's funny that you say that your backup plans are you know uh in the hospitality industry because you know that's exactly where my talents lie as well weird that, exactly. isn't it? How we, me and you have gone very separate paths in life yet we think similarly and we do things similarly and we act similarly me and you so like i think that i would then rely on my skills as a trained waiter as a trained barman to exactly, exactly. To, to, to push me into that direction of what i want to do next and i fully empathized and it, i'm if i'm right in thinking like it's not it's weird that we both gone for hospitality because not gonna lie there are sometimes when i miss working in a bar i miss mm -hmm. working in um like a pub setting i miss talking to customers yep. i love talking to customers like Same. i love that interaction with people like i remember when we used to come and see you uh was, what was it ocean ocean deck ocean mm -hmm. deck that's the one like mm -hmm. And for me, when I worked up in, in, in Watford, when I, when I was at uni, like, I really enjoyed it. Like, every Thursday, mm. Friday, and Saturday was a, it turned from, from a restaurant into a club. And it was, like, a busy, like, bustling evening with loads of music. And, like, it was it was really fun. So I I'm, I fully empathize with, with with your thinking on that. And, but I'm also not surprised that you also say, like, <laughs> oh, I would go back into, like, the hospitality work. No, of course. I, I currently work um, at a restaurant down at Cardiff Bay and um, because of COVID, it's not been able to like get up and running as efficiently and smoothly as it should have done. But right. um, before I when when I was in Falmouth, I worked at this, um at this bar and restaurant and it was, and we were a family, man. It's the best job I've ever had in my life because not only were we, did we all get along so well, but we were like a proper family. We'd go out for walks all the time whenever we could, like outside of work, we'd always talk to each other. Like, you know, I had proper friends for life in that place. And I just, whilst I hold so many, so many dear memories for the hospitality industry, I can't help think like, do I want to be 40 50 years old and still work in a bar restaurant i don't know what part of my brain thinks this but it almost makes me feel sad like it's a sad thing to be 40 50 working in a bar restaurant and you and you have been for 35 plus years you know or whatever it's like who what has put that into people's brains that it's a sad option to be that age and work yeah. in that job why is that because it's not really because it's, it's not same, it's not it, it's a lovely environment to be in you're getting paid you're getting food on the table what yeah. what's what is there to be yeah. so like you know and, and 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 also like for the same reason you are following your passion for your career i'm following my passion for my career mm. these the people in the hospitality industry what if they just like the hospitality industry exactly i like the hospitality industry i would happily you know work in a bar yeah it's a great plan b yeah for some others it might not be a plan b it's their plan a always has been always will be and to them i say fucking respect to you dude because like you know i just don't get why society seems to think well yeah it's it's it's, it's one of those things where like it shouldn't even be a question like that that's mm. your job amazing cool mm -hmm. like <laughs> that's mm. your job let's talk about well there is always something I've wanted to talk to you about that I always felt was taboo. I, I, know okay. I, I think you know where I'm going with this. Growing <laughs> up, hey. it, growing up, it was taboo talking about it. And because me and you are such best friends, I felt like I didn't need to talk about it anymore. Oh, I, because, I agree. Because it's not taboo. I'm your best man. You can talk to me about anything. I can talk to you about anything. You know, so it, it, it's it's irrelevant. But how hard was it for you growing up? <sighs> It's always... If it's you didn't always... know by now, Ellis is gay. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's, always, it's always a tricky one to answer this because 
I literally had the best childhood possible. Like, I had the most supportive parents. I had the best friendship network at school ever. But there was always a sense of, like, at the same time, it was very kind of like there was always that thought in the back of my head, always that sense of trepidation. There was always that sense of, I think, I think because I grew up in that transition period from where we are now with the huge, huge progress we've made in the LGBT community in terms of acceptance in, in inverted commas, mm. we've made huge progress. And I still think that when I was at school, there was still that kind of element of, like I was still preconditioned in my head growing up that it was like wrong, bad in like, in like inverted commas. Mm. And I think the thing that made it difficult is when, is when people would, would make a gay joke. Mm. And I obviously knew that like, I did like boys mm. at the time, as, as, you know, as, as well. I did, I did like boys as well. And it was very like, I knew, I knew that they were right in a sense, but I was still denying it to myself for like ages. Like I knew, I knew that I also like boys, but it was just I don't know. Like I'm, tr I'm trying to think how to explain it. Like it wasn't suffocating, was it? No, not at all, not at all. Like and like I say, like those the 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 when it when those like kind of jokes were made, like like the only thing that it it did was just make me struggle to feel like I could say it yeah. even more. Mm -hmm. Um, but apart from that, like. No, like I didn't, I didn't have a tough time. I didn't have a full tough time growing up. Like, I, like we've been friends since 2004, 2004 yeah. like, mm -hmm. like 17 years, 17 mm -hmm. years of friendship. And I know that nothing would ever change that. And I knew that like, I had, I had friends like, like Emily and you mm. that I, I knew would, that would, that would be like, like even, even in like year, year seven and year eight, before I was even able to kind of comprehend it in, in my own head. Yeah. That 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 would never change anything no of course did you know that i knew before you came out oh 100 100 yeah. i knew i knew that you i knew that you i knew that you knew but that was the reason why i didn't feel like i had, you to, had to say anything say anything to you mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah for sure yeah i, I don't know it was it was really nice it was really not to sound selfish, but it was really relieving for me to hear you come out when you did, because I was like, oh, thank God! Like I just felt like so such happiness for you that you've you actually felt comfortable doing it. Right, and I think I think that was when I I got to a point where I didn't really feel like I because of like you know bits and bobs of like gay jokes stuff going out when I was growing up that mm. I was like, well, okay, subconsciously in my head, even though I didn't realize it at the time, it was probably it was probably me thinking like, okay, what well, if I do come out that I also like boys like I'm not sure I'm gonna have a support network mm. if I do do that except for select few people you yeah, Emily Sophia etc mm -hmm. etc yeah it was it was not it wasn't until it wasn't until I found Twitter mm. that I really it clicked in my head I was like oh my god I'm not the only one like I'm not the one going through the yeah. going through the same thing because back in like in my head back then I was like oh my god like I'm literally the only person experiencing this in the whole world like I have no one else in the school that I can I can talk to about this. Mm -hmm. I've got no one to even just like question or like and talk to like even question the notion of like exploring something and talking talking about it because mm -hmm. if I did, I was like, well, these jokes are not going to stop. You know, what I mean, yeah. even even though they were very few and far between, and I had so many friends, and I'm so grateful for like the childhood that I have had. Mm -hmm. There was still like that element of like, well, I can't talk about this because 
it's only going to, in, in my head, I'm telling myself, it's only going to end badly. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I it wasn't until I was like 16, 17, and I found Twitter and found like all the other people online who were also going through the same thing and that they w- also had bisexual and gay thoughts, mm-hmm. <laughs> thoughts in like, in like in inverted commas. And it wasn't mm-hmm. just me like going like in, in the exact same position. I didn't have any friends at school that they could talk. Well, they have friends at school, but not friends that they mm-hmm. could talk to about it because they're in the exact same mm-hmm. position that I was. It's like, if I do talk about it, it's only going to end badly. And I'm not throwing away my mm-hmm. entire school life mm-hmm. for this. Like, I'm just, I'm just not, I like, in, in my head, I, that was just not an option for me at that time, even though that's like such a stupid and ridiculous thought to think now. And actually, in the grand scheme of things, like I came out relatively early, like 16 was it's still really like back in 2011. That was mm-hmm. still like a relatively early time, I think, for people mm-hmm. in, their, in their life. And I think it's then you can then track the progression of it because you've got people who are coming out the age of 11, the age of 12 now. And we are also getting to a point where the idea of coming out in inverted commas is is dwindling because to say I'm coming out implies that you're different and it's not different. It's it just implies you've been hiding something that's wrong. Well, exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It implies like, hello, I am I'm different, and it's, mm. it's it is different. It's the same as being straight. What is what is the difference if you love a man or if you love a woman? If you're a woman, what is the difference? It's still, love is love, bro. Exactly, exactly, and it's not something like do you, do you like the amount of times that I would like say to myself like in my head like I wish I could change this like I wish I could change like how I feel but but I can't like I can't like I like girls and I also like boys like I can't I can't change that I I, I literally like that's not it's not been it's not tell you what exactly and I was like well you know there's it, that's not that that's just me it's just me. Mm-hmm. And and that's the only argument I have for people who say that like well you you know it's it's a lifestyle choice. Thank God that that thought from a lot of people is dying out. I would say like yeah. not a lot of people do think that anymore mm-hmm. from what from, from what I've experienced. But growing up, that was that was what was going through my head. You know no, what I mean? sure. No, definitely, man. Well said. Um, about that last point about what people think, it's. Yes, it's very true that a lot less people think it, but what I like even more is that the people that do think it are now heavily ridiculed. It's not the other way around yeah. anymore. It's not that if someone says, you're gay, you're pathetic, it's that people join in. It's that someone says, you're gay, you're pathetic, and immediately they are told to shut the fuck up. And that makes I me so that. happy to see. That makes me so yeah. happy to see. And I think I think the result of that, as I said, is people coming out an, at an earlier age, which I think is so, I think is so great. They're less scared. They're... They've got less to be scared about. Uh, well, exactly. I love it, man. Um, let, uh, while we're on the topic, let's talk about It's a Sin, just briefly. I know it's not a, <gasps> it's not a TV series podcast, but let's just talk about it for a minute. Fantastic, is it not? God, Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> genuinely, like, Russell T. Davis, if he's responsible for writing the first four series of Doctor Who and it being some of the best <laughs> TV show, some of the best television I've ever seen, then, like, I'm going to, like, It's a Sin. But also, like, Russell T. Davis did Queer as Folk and cucumber and like so many other lgbt plus programs mm. that have been critically acclaimed but also like critically acclaimed for a reason because they're so good and honestly um, uh, props, props to channel four as well because he pitched it to the bbc and they rejected it because they didn't think the audiences would be ready for it pitched really? to itv oh. yeah i know i know pitched it to itv and they also rejected it for the same reason as the bbc thank god that channel 4 commissioned it for five episodes and i've seen i've seen a really i've seen a really interesting thing on, on twitter the other day that someone was like 
everyone's saying that, oh, we want more of It's a Sim. We want to see more episodes. We want to explore these characters. And someone said, well, actually, no, hang on. Like, if anything, it was absolutely perfect the way that they did it. It told oh, the story. Yep. It, it told the story. Like, we know, we know what we know. Like, we know, we know these characters. And also, as well, these people who went through this and died at such a young age were robbed of time on Earth. Exactly. We are like, you know, it's almost like saying like we, we only get five episodes because we're going to be robbed of time with them because, yeah. you know, they didn't have enough time on the earth. We didn't have enough time with them as characters. And it makes yeah. you savor each episode that much more. Also, I am such a Jill stan. She's amazing. <laughs> yes. I love her so much. The character development of her. Do you remember her in episode two? And she's like frantically scrubbing the mug and like smashes it with a rolling pin to yeah. chuck it in in the bin to her at the very end. She's a support. She, she you know, was with people who had no one else because mm. they'd either been either they either had no family because of rejection or just had you know no one else to lean upon because all of their friends had also died from the same disease jill was sat with those people who are alone at the end of their life and i think that's honestly like that made me sob that mm. last bit of that no, it like did. same it made me sad um the, the whole thing even though it was such a short series the whole thing had been gripped and me and Alex were watching it and we were educated thoroughly because we didn't know mm -hmm. this is what happened in the eighties. We didn't know this was a thing. And oh my God. Yeah. It was eye opening for sure. And the thing that gripped me the most personally, I loved my time at uni. It was forever, will forever be one of the best times of my life. And the little quirks that come with university life are the things that I'll always think about between me and my best friends. And what I loved about that was their little greeting that they did every time they went into a room. Mm -hmm. That. Oh my God. That I immediately understood. And like, that just got me like before that, I was like, this is a good series, but then that happened. And I was like, yeah. this is not, and, and I, was, I don't mean this relatable to me in the sense that, you know, I, I understand what um, gay people have gone through, but it's, it, that series was relatable to me because like it, it hooked not only people that have experienced, um, homosexuality but it actually drew in people like me who are heterosexual and i think that's what the beauty of that show is it's not just for gay people and enjoyment for them it is actually informative for people that exactly. didn't know like me that are heterosexual and i think exactly. that all together with a fantastic storyline fantastic casting makes for a fantastic show but also, also as well like like it's informative about not only about what gay and bisexual people went through but also about what straight allies went through like do you remember that scene where jill was sat in the doctor mm. um sorry in the, in the doctor's office and she was like oh do you have any information about aids and the doctor's like why do you need to know about that it, it doesn't affect you you're a woman like it, it can't affect you like th oh, this is a person yeah. of like a medical practitioner telling this woman like it doesn't affect you you don't have to worry about it even though poor jill was just trying to help get some resources so she can help her friends like yeah that's like it's it's also things like that they're an accurate represent representation of what it was like back then and i say back then it's not even that long ago it, it, yeah grand Four scheme years thing. ago is not that long ago but the thing is the, 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 it was still going on until the early 90s and that's when we got all the kind of technological advancements that we have now um in place to prevent the spread of hiv and then have the you know obviously the you know the risk of then hiv turning into aids for sure no really fantastic show and anyone who hasn't watched it highly recommend honestly go and mm. watch that shit because it you won't regret it it's so fantastic plus the little isle of white cameos in there you know 
yeah got, got a little the nuances of the script is spot on when like when richie's dad is like it's different on the mainland i'm like yes it is different on the mainland richie's dad yes i'm right <laughs> that's what we've been told our whole fucking lives <laughs> also, love, that, love that richie lives in sea view like i love that <laughs> always hold a special place in our hearts will not it <laughs> okay right that wasn't a topic that was just something i i know i i, I, I wanted to personally know about you and i mean if there's anything else you wanted to say about that, but if not, I'll just cut this bit out. So is there anything else you want to say about growing up and stuff about growing well, up? I would say, I'd say like, I'd say in terms of the actual like coming out process, like I, I had, I had, I had a lot of friends at school and it was pretty much like 50, 50, like boys and girls. Mm. And I was so, I was so, so worried that like in my head, I was like, cause like this was, this was like a kind of several months or so after I realized that like, I also like boys. That's fine. That's great. Like, um, I'm now I've now accepted that in my head. It, mm. it took it, it took me five years to accept that in my head after like denial from like eleven to like sixteen. Mm. But the last thought was like, okay, I need I need to brace myself because if I do this, I need to be worried that I could lose at least half of my friends, whether mm. that be girls whether that be like girls who don't agree with it boys who, who, who don't agree with it a mixture of both like i need to brace myself that i could probably lose okay i'm gonna say 50 percent of my friends yeah and, you know, it, it got to the point where it's like i can't go on any longer and say like and not, not be my authentic self especially when people are making assumptions anywhere i'm just like well okay like it, so then you know you know when i like, get to the point where you see on tv shows when like the the main character has a breakthrough and like everyone's like huh you're gay and the main character's like yeah i am <laughs> yeah got yeah. to that stage in my head i was like you know what i'm just gonna do it and i i shit you not like the amount of like support i got from everyone and of course then like when, when everyone starts like saying like this is amazing like respect to you like well done and stuff like I've, in my head i'm like oh my god of course of course they would do this like they're my friends yeah, like, friend. why would <laughs> Like Jesus yeah. Christ! Like why? Like these intrusive thoughts of like I have to brace myself to leave to lose fifty percent of my friends. What the fuck am I talking about? Like they're my friends. Like of course they're like they're gonna be supportive. And I always remember, I always always remember sixth form house parties. Um, Callum, whenever whenever he got drunk, like he would always come up to me and be like, "Ellis, I've always got time for you. And if anyone gives you shit, send him my way, and I'll knock the fuck out of it." And I'll, <laughs> Callum, like, like and it's 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 just like little things like that that like I genuinely because I know so many other people have gone have had it so much harder. There have been people who have been kicked out of their homes. There have been people who have had to move school because of trauma from other students. There have been people who who have become you know like who just re resent themselves purely because of what they are and have a bad home life and and a bad school life. And at that age, that's all you have a home and a school life. And if both of those things are bad. What else do you have? Exactly. So I have to. I'm so so great. So so eternally grateful for the the way it like all panned out. I wouldn't say I'm a hundred percent gay at all. Like I still like girls, but I use that label because it gives power to my identity, and it allows me to you know have a sense of self rather than just like floating yeah. Yeah. floating in the ether about it you know what i mean so like labels for me is kind of the opposite side of the same coin and that i actually use them to my advantage and not mm -hmm. like a lot of people say like well labels are bad because they like compartmentalize stuff i'm like well yeah we like that's how people find their community and that's how people allow themselves to give themselves an, an, an identity and i like that it's not a bad thing no. and um i think one thing that will always carry me through life is that 
at the end of the day, who gives a flying fuck? Why oh, should they give a flying fuck about what you rep- re- represent as? Because it's your life. You live it however the fuck you want. And if anyone's got yeah. a problem with it, it's not their fucking life. Go and live your own life. Go and do something, you know, that's going to be beneficial towards you. But don't put other people down for believing what they want to believe in. If they're not hurting you or hurting anyone else around you, why do you care? You know? Yeah, yeah exactly. So, exactly. They, well who said. gives a flying fuck if you're 90 10 or whatever you know like you you do you man you know yeah. you're, you're still my best mate and at the end of the day who am i to, to judge you for whatever you do fucking you do you man and fucking do good at it you know like don't don't let anybody tell you different and that's that's a that's an advice for everybody listening like honestly you do you and don't give a fuck about what anybody mm-hmm. thinks like mm-hmm. and i I, I, f- I feel like that's why like us two growing up together i feel like that's why I never really felt like I had to say anything to you about it. Because for me, saying that to you would be like, oh, yes, and the sky is blue. Like, you know, it's, yeah, it's like, like you know, it, it just so happened that at the time I just didn't have a boyfriend. Like, if I came to be like, oh, no, this is my boyfriend. Like, that's probably how it would have panned out. I'd be like, I oh, know. shit, nice one. I'd be like, I'd be like oh, cool. Like, yeah. nice to meet you. My name's Niall. Like, <laughs> like very that. You're, you're family to me. And, like, I know that, like, I wouldn't have had to have. I know I'm kind of contradicting myself by saying like I didn't I didn't have anyone that I could talk to about it, but that was just my own inner Perception. self. Like I still I, I, I that was that was that was me fighting within myself to actually verbalize it out. I knew I knew that like I could trust you and I could confide in you. I just personally didn't want to because yeah, exactly. it's different. I was still I was still denying it to myself. But the moment I accepted it myself, I was like, hey, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, literally. And mate, honestly, uh, I think all it did for the people around you, basing off how I saw you, it, I, I just saw this like glow in you. You were just so, you were confident anyway, but now you were not uncomfortably confident. You were you were yourself. And it was just really nice to see that. It was nice oh, to see you, so you genuinely happy about life it was like you had that you it's funny how you can see when somebody well i don't know if it's the same for anybody else but i can see when people are holding on to something and it's like they've got this massive boulder on their shoulders and the moment they let go of it or the moment they've started to like lift it off a bit you can see it in the little things that they do the little nuances just how they talk how they go about doing daily tasks how they laugh how they you know smile it's these little things you just see this glow in their eyes and it was like your soul was just like fucking awakened you know and it's just so nice to mm. see honestly i love seeing that honestly that means that means that genuinely genuinely means so much to hear you say that you Mm. that you notice that because that makes that that makes me happy because i I was just busy like me being me so 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 for you to actually like notice a difference that genuinely like that 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 makes me really happy so i've got here personal experiences that have stuck with you throughout your life okay i've got Good experiences, funny experiences, bad experiences, warning signs, best insights or lessons, and the best memories. So any kind of personal experience in your life, good or bad, that has stuck with you to this day and will continue to stick with you, talk about it. It sounds really cheesy, but like becoming head boy was always like a good experience because it, <laughs> it had like, like the, the, you know, not only the validation from everyone, but it was just like it was it was nice to like be a figurehead for a cohort that I loved. Like I loved our year group at school. Mm-hmm. If it was anybody yeah. else, it would have been wrong, mate. It, 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 was, <laughs> it was only ever you. It couldn't have been anybody else. <laughs> Gosh, um, good experiences. I, th- I, th- I think I have to make it like an umbrella term and just say festivals because to me, <laughs> like, like, I'm not, I'm not even joking. If there's one saving grace about growing up on the Isle of Wight, <laughs> the amount of 
sheer joy that I got from every facet of being at a festival. Like, God, like when me, you and Dan did Out of White Festival for the day just to see Calvin Harris, like (laughs) fast forward to 2016 festival where we literally saw about three acts and spent most of our time around the tent. Like that was that was equally as amazing rewind back five years 2011 like seeing bastille and stuff and being able to go around you know by ourselves for the first time when we were like 14 mm. to be i can't remember whose shoulders i was on probably jack wilson's or Artie's, but seeing dj fresh like that was I mean, even though i lost my fucking phone that was still incredible <laughs> like i genuinely hold those things and i think i think mm. it shaped i think it shaped us as a friendship group and i think it shaped us as a, us as people as well like mm. like those memories like I really, really hold dear and close to my heart. And, you know, we were so lucky to have been able to not only go to the festivals and, you know, like get tickets and stuff, but also like have them by our house. Like, do you remember like when when we used to, like I drove to festival that one year and we'd stay over in the tents and we got up and came back to my house. <laughs> came, came through the door and my mum was like, right, I've got you towels here. I've got some food out for you. Do you want toast now? Yeah, you want toast. Okay, right. Put that on this <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we were so lucky, man. Honestly, we were so lucky. Honestly, like, like, but those, those things, and and also as well, like doing doing beach trips in year, yeah. in year twelve and year thirteen. Like, oh no, I know the ultimate, the ultimate good experience, the ultimate good experience was <laughs> passing my driving test. Uh, passing, <laughs> like genuinely, you know how much I love driving. You and... were the first one. No, I wasn't the first one, but I was the first boy to pass first time. I was I was one of the I was one of the later ones to pass, but genuinely like because I've I've loved cars growing up. Like my two main loves in life are pop music and cars. Like <laughs> I've been loving cars so much and watching every single episode of Top Gear like three times over, like I just could not wait to get in a car for myself and drive. Like not only because I love the feeling of controlling a vehicle but just the fact that i could just get in the car and just go wherever, go wherever i wanted to at whatever time yeah. and it also allowed us to uh, you know you know my mantra is like i'd rather drive and not drink if it means i can take four other people in the car and we all are together having a good time than if i than if i got my dad to take me or something mm-hmm. and and was to have a drink like i've always stood by that and i will always give a lift to anyone because if it's gonna make the situation or evening like better like especially for people who live out in west white like emily for example like mm. she gets four buses a day and she doesn't drive so like of course i'm gonna go out and get her because it's a group thing <laughs> like yeah, sure. she's gonna mm. be there like you know what i mean so i, 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 I think... love i love those bits about the when you did that as well because if we say we're going to a party i don't know somewhere like ride and we had you had to like stop off at west white and pick up emily for instance you pick me up first and i never go to west white so for me it's like a it's it's a day out before a party. It's like yes, I get to go to West White, and you know I get to be in your car, and listen to some fucking bobs, and then we get yeah, to drive to right. It's like it's, it's like a fucking pre-party before the party for me. I was generally excited every time because I was like yes, I get to be in the car of Ellis, I get to drive me about everywhere, and now I get to go to a party. What more could you ask for? <laughs> this is this this is this is another thing though, and I'm I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it's it's really poignant. Like growing up, you know that like. Obviously, my parents spent so much time ferrying me and Millie about to everywhere, whether it was swimming or dance lessons or, mm-hmm. or tennis. Like, with you being five minutes drive away from me, it was always like, because you are family to us, it was always like, well, where are we going? Is now also going? Okay. It's like, it wasn't a, does he need a lift? It's like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll go and pick him up. And it was always that two-way thing that, like, 
we'd always make sure you got we would always pick you up and make sure you got home and like if we needed anything from your mum at all yeah you know you, you know she would yeah. do like do a favor like that that was the kind of just because like because your your family to us and when i passed my driving test it was that thing i was like well now i get to you know vicariously repay my dad for all of those lifts that he's given to me and my friends especially mm-hmm. um by doing the same thing i remember there was, there was one time when we were at a house party and i remember emily was walking to get the bus and my dad poked his head out of the window and was like emily where are you going and she was like oh, i'm just going i'm going to get the bus back to newport and he was like no you're not i'm taking you home get in the car <laughs> bearing and bearing in mind we're going from like ride to bryston yeah and emily was like are you sure and he was like no i'd rather see you get home safely than you get the bus at this yeah. time of night that i feel like that has subconsciously rubbed off on me because i'd rather do that for my friends as well than drink on a night yeah, on a night. Sure. And, and i don't i don't need much to much you know in, in the way of drink to have a good night good like mm-hmm. i i just enjoy like i know Artie's going to be sat here like laughing at me because but like i genuinely do have a good night by just being around people and enjoying music yeah. <laughs> like i genuinely have a good time at that um <laughs> Artie, so, fuck you if you're laughing, man. <laughs> <laughs> moving, moving closer to London and passing my driving test are two like significant moments in my life that I would say like, sorry, just pouring another drink. Those are two like good achievements, like mm. that will always, always stick out for me. Speaking of uh, moving away from the island, how did you find it? Was it something you always wanted to do, like me, or was it something you kind of were hesitant to do at first? it wasn't i always always wanted to move move off the island like you know you know i'd always go up to london like a day trip since i was like 16 or or, or so like because fortunately living in shanklin we've got the train right near us i was able to go from shanklin to london on one ticket yeah including the ferry which was a blessing yeah but it wasn't me wanting to get off the island because i hated it because i didn't hate it it was wanting to get off so i could explore a wider range of options it got to that point where it was like okay it's now hitting me that we live on an island and this is actually quite constricting in terms of like where I want to go in life. Like there's nothing really for the music industry, like on the island. So it was not me wanting to get off the island because I hated it. It was just because I wanted to experience something different. And I was really excited to be able to, you know, obviously go and do that. Mm. I think it's going to be something I ask uh, any island person uh, on this, on this uh, chat, because I want to see how, you all reacted to getting off the island compared to how I did because do you know what do you know what I was so I was like I spent so many like months and like days of my life like going over to the mainland when I was like 16 17 18 like meeting Mm -hmm. meeting everyone from from, do you remember when I used to go to like the twitter meetups and stuff like Mm -hmm. so sad but like it was such a cool way (laughs) for me to like go and explore different cities I was like I'm fed up of like going to like ride in Newport I want to go to Bristol I want to go to Sheffield I want to go to Reading I want to go to Salisbury I want to go to Manchester and like experience all of these cities and I, I was able to do that which was amazing and I think that kind of like fueled me wanting to go and explore London which it which it did thankfully but mm-hmm. it's it's not like I'm it's not like I'm like turning my back on the island and being like fuck you I hate you it's like if, if anything if anything the mindset of me being like I want to get off this island and explore somewhere else actually made me like the island more because I remember mm-hmm. when I came back to the island from like even even in the after the first semester of uni and I came in for Christmas I was like shit I've <laughs> missed the island I mm-hmm. have missed the island 
mm. with a cap with a capital M, missed. Like I spent 16, 17, 18 being, being like, I hate this island. And I want to get off. I hate it. Blah, 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 blah. And then I got to like 21 and 22 and I was like, oh, do you know what? Like, I bloody love the island. I mm-hmm. love coming back here. I love that we, I would not change where I grew up for the world. Like the beach is five minutes from my house. What the fuck? Like, <laughs> like to have that, like for all of our friendship group to have that and know that we lived on the same thing. And like, you know, experiencing those, like, like I was saying before, like the beach days that we used to have and the beach evenings and having like fire and drinks at the beach. Like that was mm. so fun. I think it was those things that really kind of put it into perspective and say like, oh my God, I know I really, really do love the island a lot. Mm. It's funny because I, I don't think, I keep, obviously I keep bringing up this topic uh, in, recently with you island guys. I don't think I ever hate to come back to the Isle of Wight hated underlined i don't think i ever hated it but thinking about it i think the only reason i didn't enjoy coming back anymore other than to see you guys was because cornwall is just like a really big beautiful isle of Wight. it was like a home away from home and so when i moved there instead of like you know you or Artie or anya who moved to the city i moved to the i moved from the beach to the beach yeah and so I didn't really have that big of a chain of change of scenery, but every but there was a whole new group of people. I was old enough to go out to bars and stuff and drink by myself without anybody being around to like uh, police me, such as you know my parents or anybody like that. Not that they would, but you know there wasn't that worry anymore. Drugs came onto the scene. All mm. these new things came onto the scene. So when I went back to the Isle of Wight, it was almost like I was. I was just about to say, like, it's like for all the Pokemon fans out there, it's very like, why would you have my Tiena when you could have Incineroar? Like, <laughs> you, like, like, if the Isle of Wight is my Tiena, then you want someone who has the intimidate ability and has a dark type offensive stab move. Why would you just go? Why would you go? Why would you not have Incineroar? Yeah, Incineroar no. is your Cornwall, like. You know? <laughs> no, that's that's a really good way to put it. Of it's, it, it was just like that, and you guys having you guys there was like I keep saying, the only reason I ever went back. But there were obviously times when I felt really out of place being around you guys because you were you were still the same. In my eyes, you were still like these just this these youthful, fantastic, joyful, I say pure, not to sound condescending, but <laughs> but you know, you I was a bit around people who were doing some really weird shit and you guys were like a part of my childhood. So the I just felt dirty being around you guys. I felt whenever I had you know drugs on my mind or whatever or carried any weed around with me i just felt like i didn't belong with you guys like i was in the wrong kind of place and that's really bad and i regret feeling like that because i know you guys would have never thought that way about me and i think i would have had a better time being in the isle of Wight when i was 21 20 22 um if I just kept the mindset of you're still my best mates and I can still be myself around you guys and I should enjoy my time here. But I mean, I, I know, and it's and this is the thing, this, this is where I, where I empathise with you because you get those intrusive thoughts and it's so difficult to talk yourself out of it, even though you can give such good advice for other people. Like yeah. you've said, you've said in like the previous segment, like who gives a flying fuck about what someone's sexuality is? Yeah. Why should we give a flying fuck about what you do like that's not that's not even like a thought that crosses for me anyway that's not even a thought that, cr- that crosses my mind I'm just like well you're just nile to me like yeah okay yeah. you you've you've gone to uni but you're still gonna be like a brother to me like that's yeah. that's not gonna change you know what I yeah mean? no that's exactly it and i wish i had that mindset about myself back then you know i wish i realized mm. that mm-hmm. you wouldn't gave a flying fuck no i know. get it i fully 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 understand 100 percent 
and it's only now that we're in a lockdown and that I haven't been able to go fucking anywhere else that I think I'd really thoroughly enjoy being back in Isle of Wight for like a week, you know, but back now to see you guys. It would be a genuine, like, nice time for me. I wouldn't feel any resentment for the place that I did previously. Like, I remember we went to Fever, uh, like, my first time ever at Fever, and I remember just being in there, and I was like, I fucking hate it, because because I'm not on drugs, and because I'm not in Cornwall, so, so therefore I fucking hate it. Yeah. What attitude to have? I was like, Jesus Christ, have a, have a fucking drink and have a laugh, mate. Oh, my God, oh, my God. You know, there's, you know, there's like, a chart where it's like, are you doing this? Yes or no? And you like follow it down. It's like, am I in Cornwall? No. Do you hate this? Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, that was no, that's it to a T. That you, you nailed it. That was it. Like anywhere that was other than other than Cornwall, anywhere that like anywhere else was just shite, in my opinion. So what a poor attitude to have, eh? But the the thing, I mean, the 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 fact that you can sit there and say like Oh, actually, maybe that, that's not the best thought to have had back then. Of course, you, you couldn't change that intrusive thought then, because actually it's kind of almost like the fact that you can say, like, OK, that wasn't the best thought to have. Like, OK, you, you've hit the problem on the head then. Like, you now know that that's, like, not something that you're going to think anymore. You know it's what that, I mean? It's a lesson learned. It's a, it's a stepping stone. Something we all need. So so should we do, like, experiences that... Because I'm, I'm now picturing in my head, like, your little transition music. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, I know you talked about experiences that will like always stay with you and I think one experience that will always stay with me was like when I was at the Manchester Arena at like Ariana Grande concert um, you, were, you were there? Yeah I was, I was I was there the night the night that it was bombed like I was I was, I was did, I was there How did I not know that? I, I must have known that and forgot Yeah you you, de- you, de- you definitely Shit. did Shit anyway yes um, But I think I think after that like because that was like one month away from me going on my study abroad year and it was back when I was about, oh, I was 21 and I was, I was about to turn 22. Like the fact that like I could not be sat, like I may have not be sat here doing this podcast with you right now. Like that really just like made me think like I really have to kind of just live every day now. Like, I mean, it's it sounds so cliche, but like really just kind of try not to give like I suffer from like really bad anxiety anyway and and there, there are some things that I will just always worry about and it's it's part it's it's just like a chemical thing in, in my brain but really have to try and knuckle down and like actually make the most of every single day because it could just be taken away from you the fact that you know there was like 19 of us in in a friendship group in Manchester going to that concert and I lost every single one of them like when we were running out of the stadium, like I was just by myself and there was like screaming children and stuff like, sorry to sound morbid, but like, mm. you know, th- that is something that will stay with me for so like pro- probably my whole life. Like of I genuinely think about it. Like, I mean, I-, I listen, I listen to Ariana quite a lot and it's, there are so many, like even just playing a song that's not even affiliated with that evening. You're I'm just, just like, about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, w- I won't think about it and go into like a regressive spiral and think shit. I could have died, but like it's it 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 leaves food for thought every single time I sure. hear one of her songs or electively play one of her songs, and I feel like that was a real turning point in my life when I was like, don't give a shit about things, mm-hmm. don't worry about things as much as you can control that, and. Yeah make the most of literally everything you were given. And I, I was just about to go to America for a year and live in Los Angeles, my dream city for a year. Mm. I was like, I have to attack this with everything I've got and just not give a shit about mm-hmm. anything. 
So like that will always stay with me. Definitely, definitely. It's kind of sad how massive, awful events like that and COVID have to kind of are, are the only things with enough power to change people's mindsets. Why can't we? Why can't well? I say we. Why can't people in general have have the mindset every day just to live life each day as it comes and to not take anything for granted? Why does it take a bombing, a global pandemic? to actually make us realize that life is short in yeah. in the long scheme of things yeah. and we have to yeah. just you know do it do it like it's our last do every day like it's our last and it's not so easy to say that you can live every day like it's your last because i think personally for me whenever i say oh you know uh, i'm going to live every day to the fullest and uh, not give a fuck there are going to be some days where I completely abandon that mindset and (laughs) I just, and I just think what the fuck is the point? But then there are other days when it's talks like this with you that can make me, that can bring me back up to speed in my head and be like, right, this is why I'm doing it for this reason, this reason, and that reason, you know? Mm. And (laughs) I think what I'm trying to get hit here is like people that keeps wondering, why do you have that mindset of, live every day like it's your last and don't give a fuck is that you don't have to live like that 24 7 just know that having that mindset every now and again in your peripheral vision kind of keeps you on track and makes you realize what is important in life you don't have to live your life like a sitcom and be like right i'm gonna fucking you know i'm gonna move to america i'm gonna do this this and that in this time frame i'm gonna, yeah. this time money. I'm gonna make, have a wife and a fucking kid by this you don't have to do that just fucking appreciate things around you the yeah. things that you normally wouldn't appreciate you appreciate this is this is the thing it's all about context like in terms of when i was in america like there were some days where i just stayed in my uni dorm all day and just watched netflix and i was like i'm fine with doing this that's yep. what i want to do like it's it's like just because i wasn't going out and doing something doesn't mean i wasn't having a good time or because i'd chosen and I, i'd elected and said i'm gonna have a day off and just just do nothing any more personal experiences that have stuck with you throughout your life that you want to talk about or are those oh i mean i mean i mean it, you i know you just mentioned like funny experiences there have been countless countless <laughs> funny experiences that will like constantly stay in my head i remember like one when we were at primary bay and we threw like i was literally it was like, coming to the end of my hairspray can oh just, my god it was like pitch black <laughs> it was pitch black and we had to run from the fire we, like to, to get back to our cars because i had thrown my hairspray can yeah, just out the fire. Fucking blue. because you because you because you were like you're like i wonder what it would actually do and me being like i just have one of those like red mist not, not red mist moments not red mist but like when i was like out of like mine experiences so i was like yeah. what if i just throw these in the fire right now so i just did and i was like guys we might have to run <laughs> and then we're running and suddenly the massive explosion <laughs> and we saw this like cinders and like this hairspray can like rise like <laughs> rise into the yeah oh, just, just, just shit like that oh and, and another funny experience was when we were down at Plea and we did a similar thing with deodorant cans and Dan had accidentally left his bag like next to oh next to fire. And still, still to this day, still to this day, if I forget my bag from somewhere, even if I'm by myself, I, I remember one time at work, I walked out of the building forgetting my bag and it hit in my head as I was, as I was walking to the tube and I was like, my bag! Because that- <laughs> Because that is exactly how Dan said it when he was trying to <laughs> rescue his bag from next to the fire because he knew that it would be exploding. 
<laughs> oh my god. Oh, that is a that is a locked memory that has just become unlocked in my head. That's oh, so it's, funny. It's so funny how like little things like that always stay with you. Like the fact that I always say my bag, like my bag. Like, <laughs> Oh, I'm going to remember that for so long now. It's so funny. I can't believe I forgot that. Oh, my God. Oh, I just remember the fucking, the laughs we had all the time. We yeah. laughed about so many things. I think that's uh, something I appreciate with you guys. Uh, there was always something to laugh about with you guys. There was never yeah. anything to cry about. Never anything to be upset about. It was always just good times and fun with you guys. Yeah, I think in, in the context of, of us two as well, like some experiences that will always stay with me was the fact that I could just get on my bike, go on the cycle track, cycle across the cycle track to Roxel where it ended up and just stay, stay in your house and do you remember when we always used to like we always used to just phone and we always used to talk on the phone like after school or like even if I came to your house and we just sit there for three hours and not really say anything and I'd be like oh bye like it would still be a nice time because it was yeah, just like it was never any like it, it was never any different between us because we just enjoyed each other's company really didn't yeah, we yeah exactly exactly and I think I think that that's been I'll always remember because it's been a blueprint for how I feel about friendships now. Like yeah, it's those sure. experiences earlier on in life that I can relate to and be, you know, you know, you know, when you're subconsciously saying, "Oh, this, this is good. It's good because you can, you can relate it to something that's happened in the past." Mm. And the, you know, the fact that I've known you since even before Trinity, when we met at the tennis club, Jesus, and we yeah. immediately bonded because we both like Pokemon. Like, <laughs> that's, like, you know, I find that I find that insane. Yeah. It's funny how life works, isn't it? And it's just even weirder that you literally lived that close to me. Like, the fact that I could walk to your house, mm. even though we were towns apart, there was, like, a direct route. Didn't have to go out any corners, didn't have to <laughs> di di you know, divert any point. I could literally just go from A to B, my house to your house. Just bizarre. You know, like, yeah. it's, it's almost like it was meant to be, almost. Right, so... To finish off, let's not do let's not do dreams and fears. We'll, we'll keep fears because that's always like a constant. Yeah. Okay. But let's talk about um, education. I mean, I I know we we grew up together. We went to school together. We were in the same class for a few years. I know you. You know how how you were in like high school, middle school, that kind of stuff. What I am interested to hear about is your university experience compared to mine. So, is that something you're willing to talk about? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Because I feel like that's when we. Still, I mean, I mean, we we still speak every day now, like on Messenger and stuff. But I mm. feel like that's when we didn't really see each other. Mm. I think, mm -hmm. I think mm. from like from like twenty twenty fifteen, I would yeah. say until until now, until until, now yeah. until until the present day. So we had like eleven years of basically like always seeing each other, to then just not seeing each other. And I feel like yeah, I feel no, I feel, I feel like it'll be it'll be good to talk about that because I know because I presume that we have you know well i say i presume i'm obviously know that we have different uni experiences because i'm going to tell you <laughs> um so the day the day of when i when i got there like my parents know that like obviously at this point i've been going off to the mainland by myself for like four years or so i went like that summer i went interrelating across europe and i managed to see like so many countries that i've always wanted to go and see so <laughs> when i got there like all of um all of my uni housemates' parents were like, oh please please message us like like we we we're so sad to see you go like please make sure you're okay and my mum and dad were just like, um well you're probably not gonna message us so I'm just saying please check in once in a while um but have a good time <laughs> like, <laughs> like, 
<laughs> they just knew that like at that point I was because I'd started uni a year later. So and I'm my birthday's in September. So I was already 20 by the time I I'd already turned 20 by the time I, I got to university. So they were already kind of like my parents were already kind of knowing that I was a bit more independent. They, my mum was actually saying, I mean, <laughs> yeah, my mum was saying like, yeah, I mean, you're probably not going to message, but it'd be nice if you did. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's started off. It started off nicely. And then um, I'm not going to lie, like if I, I if I had the option to not do halls, I wouldn't have done halls. And really? I know that's like, yeah, I know that's like a really like controversial statement, but it was very contextualized for like my situation. Like yeah. I had another guy in our dorms who was also gay and I deciphered, I think after after a while, I deciphered that for some reason, for some reason, I don't know what it was. I didn't do anything to him. I did nothing. He just disliked me. He really, really disliked me. Mm-hmm. And it manifested in him making up shit to the other uni housemates about me Jesus. regarding regarding kind of general halls housemate stuff to kind of i don't know put them off me and make them like him instead like that's what that's what i've decided Jesus, like that, that's, the only, that's, the only, that's the only thing i i, I can think of like, i don't know why like i because i'm you know me i love making friends i absolutely love making friends i, I love speaking to new people and i love like forming new friendship bonds with people Mm-hmm. And this guy, like, I don't know, like he he it would be all kind of like nicey nicey, but then there was just a lot. It was it became evident like quite quickly that that he was forming friendship groups with like everyone else in the flat except me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, I was just like, I don't have time for this for this playground behavior. Like, I'm just not like, I'm not I'm not about this. So I spent most of my time like at my course mates uh flat like mm-hmm. i literally used my bedroom to sleep in that yeah. was it mm-hmm. that was it i literally just used my bedroom to just it was just a place to put my head down for the night mm. and what it allowed me to do was like i was like look okay this clearly isn't working like they he doesn't like me for whatever reason so i'm just i'm just, I'm just not gonna rise to it cool this is this is playground behavior like i'm not gonna stoop to that level so what it allowed me to do was like you know actually explore different things really like it, it i spent i spent all of my time at my course mates um flat which is really nice to go and then make friends with him and his flatmates in his mm. in his flat but also what allowed me to do was to go into london like i studied, the, I studied at the university of hertfordshire so mm. the amount of days that like i would go down to the train station and get a train to london it was like 20 minutes um into london on the train mm. and that really allowed me to like solidify my friendships with all of my kind of gay friends in London that I still am friends with now that I've been friends with for kind of six years. Yeah. And I now look back at the halls experience as like a blessing in disguise. Like I, I hate this, like I'm not going to rise to this, but, but I'm glad that it did happen because it allowed me to focus so much of my time. Like, yeah. Okay. It cost so much money because I was constantly getting trains. Like it was the train station was one of those ones where like, you know, when something's either a five minute drive or like a 45 minute walk, I was like, <laughs> I'm not walking for 45 minutes. I'm going to get a five minute taxi. So yeah, for sure. For sure. So I spent, I spent so much money like going into London and then having drinks and going out for like for like nights out and stuff. But it meant that I formed friendships that like I still have now with, yeah. with people, with people in London that I knew that I knew from online and then realized those online friendships like in real life that I still you know, hold to this day, mm-hmm. which is, which is 
I now, I now so I now then look at the hall's experience as like uh, like something that I'm glad that happened. Yeah. But it but it, it also meant that I spent a year in halls when like I honestly didn't even spend time in the halls itself. Like I was I was always at someone else's flat mm. doing like whether it, whether it's for pre drinks whether it was for uh, just chilling in an evening. It was always someone else's flat and like never mm. never the flat. Um, you know, that you that were assigned I, to. Yes, yeah, thank you. That mm. I was that I was um assigned to. Mm. But in, in general as well, like we're we're talking earlier about like growing up and having and you know, growing up gay and, and stuff like that. And thinking about it now, like I literally had no shit from anyone at mm. all growing up. And it actually wasn't until university that I met those other people who were close minded and did have a Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, and it for a while, for a good couple of years, it changed who I was as a person because I I had I was now like having two years of people that I've never met before. Like this, this was this was this was kind of made it significant in the fact that my friendship group at school and stuff. Like those people were truly amazing friends, and these people that I've met at uni, like. You know, you you know, meet everyone at like house parties and you mm-hmm. know flat parties and like on nights out and stuff. Like, yeah. there were genuinely horrible people. Like, I never like fell victim to the kind of like verbal abuse from them because I was just like, okay, fucking get over yourselves. But it, but the byproduct of that was rather than kind of like wallowing in it, I got defensive and I started like saying to like, by the way, you can't say this because X Y Z reasons. Like, actually, do you know why? Like. Because yeah, it, it was a combination of me meeting these people who were really close-minded and mm. really horrible and also people who were very open-minded and very kind of like wanting for lots of things to change. And the the kind of meeting of those two people where you've got the people who are fighting for kind of like social justice in inverted commas and these people who are being horrible, mm. me being in like me meeting those two groups of people, it transpired into me kind of getting really defensive about a lot of stuff. And it then bled into other friendships. And I'll always remember there was one time, I, th- I think it was New Year's 2017, like pulled me aside and was just like, it was like talking talking to um, me about this. And basically what happened was is that because this had bled into friendships like from the island, mm. I'd come back from uni. And if they'd ever made like a joke that I perceived in my head was offensive, because of my experience at uni, the automatic reaction was to, was, was to get on the defensive side and be like, no, yeah. actually, no, hang on, because like, um, you can't say that because of X, Y, and Z reason. Actually, mm. I'm like, I'm not okay with that. You can't say that. Um, actually, like, like that whole kind of tone pulled me aside and was like, you know, we don't actually mean this, and you know that, mm. and you, you have known that since 2011, 2012. Like, you know that, mm. and I was like, shit. Yeah, you're right. Like mm. you're like like you're right. Like I like I've because of, because I've become accustomed to being defensive about this and doing what I thought was right. Mm. And it and it, it kind of almost working in in that, in that situation. Like I felt as though like when I was talking to these people at uni who were being horrible, I was like mm. if I can if I can impart some sort of knowledge on them, then maybe rather than fighting back in inverted commas, at least that that's what I thought I was doing. Then maybe it would be it would be that's better for the situation. Mm-hmm. But what transpired what transpired is then it bleeding into everything else and actually being a killjoy 
being a killjoy and not really kind of being a being a pain to be around i'll i'll hold my hands up and say like that that it makes it difficult for other people especially especially if i'm in a group setting it makes it difficult for people to feel like they can't say anything because Mm. oh 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 ellis is sat there he's gonna have a problem with that and he's gonna say something about that and it's gonna kill the mood i'm not gonna say it and it actually took someone saying that to me for me to be like shit you're right like Mm. Like you are completely right, and that is that's not something I'm about. Like I don't want to feel like that I'm being a killjoy. Like I'm just in my head, I'm doing what I think is right. But sometimes, mm. I, you know, what you think is right is not necessarily what is the correct thing to do mm. for or or what's not necessarily. I think correct's the wrong word. What's beneficial? Yes. To do. You, you you know what I mean? Because yeah. like like I love I love like being in a group and, and laughing about shit and if i'm being detrimental to that in in any way shape or form i'm gonna change that yeah because not you know who you are. I mean? like like to me like halls and the whole uni experience like that didn't really happen for me mm. and that's fine because what it did allow me to do was to go and explore a city and go for like nights out and have like that side of it and the uni was just something that i was working to achieve as a qualification to help me further in life like i i didn't really have the experience that you had in terms of forming that really close-knit bond with like your uni friends like that for me didn't really happen because for mm. some reason or or another like this guy in my uni halls fucking loathed me it, it, it didn't ruin my experience of it because like i i clocked it and i was like okay i'm just not gonna rise to this because i was i wasn't doing anything like i was i was so i was so passive and I was so like cooperative in that flat, and I was like, I'm, I'm not going to rise to this. In a similar way, I, I didn't spend any time in my flat either. But that's because when we were meant, it, I think it was about two weeks before I started uni, I didn't have any accommodation sorted out. Um, two weeks. Yeah, and Mum was like, "What the fuck have you been doing?" And I was like, "Oh, I checked my emails, and it turns out they'd all been going to like my flagged email, so I never saw any of them." And like, yeah, <gasps> I sought accommodation. I was like, "Oh shit!" So. At that point, mum was like, right, okay. Uh, so we had to drive down to Cornwall to try and sort out last-minute accommodation. As jammy as I am, on the drive down, I got um, a phone call through from Falmouth saying they had uh, one space left for accommodation on the camp <laughs> my choice. On the drive down, so I was like, fuck yeah. Uh, and mum was like, you are a jammy bastard. And I was like, I know. Um, <laughs> so we got, we got down there, we checked it out. Turns out it was the only flat on the whole campus that had a balcony bathtub like a, <gasps> a, a, like a river view and it was just me and one other person because it used to be a teacher's flat but that had, but they changed it to become a student's flat so mum was like right you are definitely the jammiest part <laughs> i was like i know um but coincidentally toby the guy i shared the flat with he was completely different to me we were still friends don't get me wrong he was a lovely guy and like we we you know we, we were friends but Whereas he did music and he played saxophone at the piano and he was a really chilled out guy, had a close knit group of friends, didn't go out much. And then there was me coming back every night, you know, fucking off, off my face. face on something <laughs> or pissed or, you know, smoking ciggies on the balcony, whatever, you know what I mean? Two completely different people. And so I felt, and because it was so small as well, I just felt like I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't have enough room to be to be myself there, I wasn't in your typical uni flat where it was like four or five, six people in a flat. It was just me and Toby. So um, I'd always spend my time 
uh, across the other flats with the rest of the boys or down on the seafront uh, at some some other person's house you know I was never mm. it's weird how whilst we have had extremely different experiences they've actually been really similar in the fact that we didn't actually spend any time in our own flats no, no I know. <laughs> just for I two know. completely different reasons you know um, I think in terms in terms of um, <laughs> I feel like I've been talking about drugs a lot on this podcast Did, yeah whether you're comfortable uh, yeah you have <laughs> yeah you fucking have um <laughs> you feel like j- just so i can have a bit of peace of mind do you feel like you explored enough at uni or do you feel like you didn't explore because you didn't want to or that you did and that you just highly against it what were your feelings on oh the I... exploration of narcotics no i explored i explored like a like a hundred percent but it wasn't it wasn't at uni Okay. It was, it was always at, like I said, like like the the way I got away from this really awful guy mm-hmm. was the fact that I went into London and yeah. met all of my friends like there, and so if they were hosting a house party, there would usually be someone else like like what well, not a house party, but like if there was if there was pre drinks until we like went out somewhere, yeah. there would always be like a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend who would have something on them somewhere. So like, I mean, of course, like there for for a couple of years, it was like where's the nearest bathroom that I can go and like like definitely definitely like experience like it's not something I personally I don't think I wouldn't it's not something I it's the first thing I go to when when um I go for an eye especially now but there was that period of time where I was like if someone like come on I mean you're pre-drinks and someone says to you do you want some you're gonna say yes like it's free especially if you've already had a few drinks as well you're like like, jesus jesus christ there's been all this bloody money to come into london i'm gonna take some free drugs like (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah no for sure man and if also if it's gonna make me stay up so i can sit up eyes wide open against the wall waiting at king's cross for the first train to take me back up to hatfield where my uni was (laughs) then of course i'll do that like (laughs) (laughs) for sure um I don't. I just don't want people getting the wrong idea of me thinking that I I currently do these things. It's just that for me, I I made m- the friends that I have now from uni. I there will always be one night I vividly remember, and um, if you don't mind me talking about it, it was um, it was one night in November. It was our friend Milo's twentieth birthday. Love the name and, Milo, by the way. Uh, he, he's great. Milo's fantastic. Um, and he. It was his birthday, and we before this we were acquaintances. Like you know, we, we, there was two groups of friends. There was me, Smithy, and Max, and all these people that were on our course, mm-hmm. our course mates. Yeah, and we had the people that Max lived with, who were not our course mates, just people he lived with in the flat. Uh, Milo was one of these people. A big group of us got together for Milo's birthday. We went to his flat. And we had a big pre-drinks. We got to know each other a bit there. You know, we had a great time. We went into town after a lot of tomfoolery um <laughs> we spent all night in town until all the bars shut we then went to a house party at about 2 a.m to which uh you know the, it, everything got really weird and we ended just a long story short we ended up walking back from falmouth town up to Pembrian, which is about an hour walk to, all together absolutely off our faces like 20 of us you know walking through the streets of falmouth at about 4 30 a.m you know just like absolutely you know just getting to know each other on drugs and f- forever that will be one of the best memories of my life because of 
it was just so fun, you know, and nothing will ever be the same again because not only was it my first time on hard drugs properly, but it was such a lovely time because I was around people that I knew not only would look after me, but would be friends and still are my friends to this day, you know? And so yeah. I only talk about drugs in such a, uh, a positive manner because I, one, I did it safely. Two, I did it around people that I, I do trust. And I did them. I did trust in them because I did have friends then. And um, three, it was just fun, you know. It was university. Yeah. I wanted to go to me to like have fun and just to explore, and I did that. And I just don't want people thinking that I'm this fucking hardcore junkie who does drugs all the time because that's not me anymore. I couldn't hack it. If you offered it to me, I just would turn it down because I simply can't fucking hack it anymore. But back then, it's just something that attributes to who I am now. I can now come onto this podcast and talk to people like you. This is this is the thing. This is the thing. Like it's all about. Again, I'll say again, it's all about context. Like yes. we can say we can say, Oh, what brought us together? Pokemon. Yep. Okay, well then what what's the difference between Pokemon and drugs? If 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 Pokemon and drugs have brought you like you and me together and you and your uni friends together respectively, mm-hmm. what's the fucking difference? It's Is just that... something that has brought people together and created amazing friendships. Like we wouldn't be friends now, probably, if it wasn't for Pokemon and tennis. Because yeah, I met right. you at Vendor I met you at Vendor Tennis Club and mm-hmm. you'd bought your Game Boy and were playing Pokemon Ruby. Like yep. Like, come on. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's that's the thing that brought us together. And then the same thing with your uni friends. That's the thing that brought you together. So there's no, there shouldn't be any shame about yeah. that at all. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For sure. Definitely, man. I agree. I mean, is there anything else you want to talk about educational-wise? Well, not really. Just the fact that, I mean, I, I did a huge educational thing. And I was, re- I, was, I was fully due to go to the University of Kent to study physics in 2014. And then it was literally about three days to go before I was due to move up there and move into halls. Mm. And I was just like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to spend, I, I got my timetable through and I literally wanted to throw up seeing the email. I was like, <laughs> some, something clicked in my head and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. So I just went to my parents. And I was like, I don't want to go to Kent. And they're like, we're so happy you've said that because you're, you don't seem 100% confident about it. But what do you want to do instead? And I was like, I want to study the music business. Like, that's what I want to go into. I want to have a career in the music industry. Mm-hmm. And they were like, I think that's great. So that's when I kind of changed my course from physics to music business and then went, stayed on at sixth form an extra year and went to mm-hmm. uni, specifically picked the University of Hertfordshire because it had a study abroad program, meaning mm-hmm. that I could, I could go to Los Angeles for a year, which I did then go and do, which mm-hmm. is the best year of my fucking life ever. <laughs> and now, like, yeah, I wouldn't change that. I wouldn't change that for the world. Like, oh, my cat's here. Hello. I wouldn't I wouldn't change that for the world. Like, mm-hmm. I've made that decision. Yeah. Um, and it was the best decision of my life. Right, dude. Last question. So okay. your fears. We want I want to talk about your peer your your fears that you faced in the past, the fears that you're currently facing as of right now, and any fears that you have of the future to come. Ooh. A massive fear I have is losing friendships. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that can apply to so many different contexts. I said earlier about how I was scared to come out because I thought I was going to lose some friendships. Mm. Like right now, I've got so many good friendships. Like, like, like me and Sophia, who are so so close. Me and you, who, have, who are basically brothers for seventeen years. Like me and Emily, we've been such good friends since year seven. Like I'm always like I know it's not going to happen, but I just have this irrational fear that I'm always going to lose these people, and I don't. And I, th- I think that's why, like, I always make such an effort 
One, mm. because I want to. Two, because it makes me happy. And three, because I subconsciously have this subconsciously have this fear that like I'm going to lose this friendship, and I don't I don't want to lose that friendship, even though there is literally nothing in the world in front of me that presents as evidence that could say you're going to lose this friendship. There's nothing. There's there's not a semblance of it. Mm. But for some reason, I just have that feeling. Mm. And that I think that's just going to be a feeling that's just going to stay with me for for a while. Like I, I, that, that applies to to all my friendships. To be honest, like like friendships, like the friendships that I have on the island mm. with everyone in kind of like our friendship group. I always have a fear that I'm going to lose those friendships. And even though there's nothing there that says that's going to happen, I just I just have that fear. I, I think I think that comes from suffering with with anxiety. Like just have it. Like I already am a people pleaser and I already want to be liked, and that's yeah. how it manifests. I, I feel like. I'm just going to constantly lose friendships, which I don't want to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my god, that's so deep. But like, that's such that that is that 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 is that is a genuine fear of mine. Of if we're talking about like, if we're talking about rational fears, I actually suffer from that thing called trypophobia, where you have fears of like holes like put together. It I... genuinely makes me shiver Dude, so much. I'm my... not even joking. Oh. I know, I know, it's like a bandwagon fear that everyone has. I'm not even joking. I have to leave a room if there's a yep. photo of something so do like I. that. So I, I cannot look at it. It makes me sick. It makes me shiver. Like I actually It gives shake. me such mad goosebumps. I can't deal with it, dude. It actually, Alex is like, what, what what do you mean? Like there's only holes. Like, what's so bad about looking at a sponge or honeycomb or oh. anything like that? I'm like, I just can't fucking look at it. It makes it's me those, sick. It's it's those flowers that have like the bud in oh, the middle. No, no, just stop talking. Just stop <laughs> fucking talking. You're actually giving me goosebumps. <laughs> It's actually vile. I don't know what causes that, man. Honestly, I don't. I, I have no idea, but I oh, just know it's a thing, and I hate yeah, it. Yeah. But um. Sick. Yeah. So, listeners, those are. It's a very deep analysis, and also a not deep analysis. Of fears. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any fears of like the future, of um, what your future holds, or not really? You don't really think about it. I know I do. Oh my god, I do all the time. Like I always think about the future. Like I just want to be. I know this is like everyone said this, but like I just want to. I generally just want to be happy, and I think I think I've like I think with that. I know Artie touched on this as well, but like he talked about options. He talked about having the financial financial stability to have options in your life, yeah. and I feel like that's. I have a fear that like because like not gonna lie, money like money isn't everything, but it is a lot. You know, like a lot of things can be solved if you have money, and I just think like a lot of things. Like I want to feel safe knowing that I don't have to worry about financials. And I think once you get past that, which is a very privileged position to be in, you don't have to worry about financials at all. Like once you get past that, like you don't have to worry about anything else because you know that because everything in the world, everything in the world costs money. And if you don't have to worry about the cost of that, then you don't really have to worry about anything else that's attached to that cost. Mm -hmm. Because if the cost is the root of the problem, then nothing else can stem from it. So I think, I just worry about not being financially stable. You know, I worry about a lot of things. And I, but I think, but I think that it all then stems just being, being content. I think say being happy is not necessarily the be all and end all of anything because there will be some days where like you aren't happy and that's like fine. But it's just like being in a position where you can say like, oh my God, like this is good. Like I'm fine. Like yeah. I don't have to worry about anything. That That's the thing that like, being in a, in a position where you can wake up and say like I don't have to worry about anything that's fine yeah mm-hmm. and like I, I always think about oh my god my my broodiness is 
Artie was saying this, this 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 the other day. My brilliance is so volatile because I'll be like, I want like three children. I've got the names of them sorted out already. I can't wait to have it. But then as soon as I think that I'm, I, you know me, I worry about absolutely everything. I wor- I I'm already worrying about how good of a parent I'm going to be. I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, I need to make sure that I'm going to be a good dad. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, like, not only would I worry about my children, but I would also worry about if I'm doing a good job of raising my raising, children. Yes. yes. <laughs> I think everyone instinctively has that thought before they have kids. And I think it's just a process that you can never get taught. It's just something you have yeah, to learn along the way. You have to learn, yeah. But again, this is the thing, like, like there are some things that I will always worry about and I will always have a fear about and I just can't change. But ever since like the Manchester Arena Ariana concert, like I've really worked hard on not worrying about a lot of things. Mm. Which is which has really reduced like the amount of stuff I'm fearful of. Yeah. Um, which is good. It's it, yeah. like I said, it's weird how stuff like that has on how how impactful stuff like that actually has on your yeah. mentality. Something yeah, at the time it, which is traumatizing actually ends up having a almost a beneficial effect on you. Completely, completely. Like it manifests itself in so many different ways. Like mm. this one event has allowed me to, like, yes, okay, I, I still do think about that evening negatively, but also as well, it's allowed me to think of so many other things positively and allow me to take that and be like, right, this is going to be the catalyst for me to then look forward and look to the future and mm-hmm. not worry about shit. You know what I mean? For sure, man. It's a great place to end it off. Ellis, thank you very much for being my guest this week. You've been absolutely fantastic. So, so much for having me. This has been so, so fun. It's been so fun to like actually sit. Like, I I know we talk on Messenger like so much. It's actually fun to see you and actually talk to you. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Mate, I I, I think I found a lot of joy recently in in all of this because I, I don't, it's not like I did this anyway, but now that I actually get to do this with not only people that I love and cherish deeply, but people that I don't really know that much. It's, mm. I would never do this otherwise, you know? It's just so fantastic that I get to do this. And Honestly, uh, props, to you, props to you. This is It's so fun to listen to everyone. It's And genuinely, when, when I listen to these episodes, time goes by so quickly. So <laughs> honestly, props to you. This is such a good idea of yours. I'm so happy that you're actually doing it. Thanks, man. And you. I mean, yeah, you, you, said, you told me you've got a, a, a podcast idea coming up. Uh, when, when, yeah. when, when should we expect episodes? Oh God! Well, we've recorded the first episode. Have you? We recorded this on. Well, we're recording this on Monday the twenty second, and nice. we recorded our first episode on the Saturday. Nice. But yeah, it's going to be a podcast about all of the teen American teen dramas set in Southern California. We're going to watch all of them: Nine Hundred Two and O, The Hills, The OC, from the very beginning, and just <laughs> revisit, revisit our teen years. That's good. Go on, pl- plug yourself. What's it called? <laughs> it's well. Hopefully, hopefully it's going to be out soon, but it's going to be called SoCal Sofa. SoCal Sofa. You heard it here first, folks. Ah! It'll be out soon. Keep an eye out. (laughs) Amazing. Ellis, thanks so much, man. Thank you so much. See you soon. See you soon, man.